On tonight's episode, we watched Look Who's Talking Now. That's right, listeners. The flop house goes straight to the dogs. Because <laughs> there's dogs in the movie. Because <laughs> it's a movie with dogs. Yeah. All right. I did it. Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. And you know I'm Stuart Wellington. And you probably had a premonition that Elliot Kalin would be here. Well, you were right. That's right. We're the Flop House podcast. Starring they're, us. Us. In the Flop House. The original flop. Bad boys of flop casting. I think the only bad boys of <laughs> flop casting, which also makes us the only good boys of flop casting. Yeah, where's your yardstick for good versus bad boys? Um, well, I, bad boys are coming for you, or mm-hmm. were they coming for the bad boys in that song? Uh, well, they were coming after the bad boys. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Never mind. Uh, so this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. And tonight we did not watch a bad movie. Well, tonight. <laughs> oh no, we did not. <laughs> tonight we're taking part in a little thing called a pod crawl. Now we've done this a couple times before, where we uh, get together with a couple of other. Podcasts, and we watch a series of connected movies. It's like a crossover where no one meets each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we are running the Look Who's Talking series with Read It and Weep and Too Beautiful to Live with uh, Luke Burbank. And so the Read It and Weep guys, uh, I believe. Read and did- Weep, a show that I think, have we all done a guest spot on at some point? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I think so, yeah. And we've done the previous Two pot crawls with yeah the Star Wars one and the uh, what was the other one uh, yeah the any which way but nope loose. that was with uh, we hate we movies, hate movies. So. oh okay uh, Dan's memory zero <laughs> <laughs> anyway point is uh, we've they done, watched Look Who's Talking they watched Look Who's Talking the classic film about hey what if babies could talk and they sounded like Bruce Willis yep two nineteen eighty nines Look Who's film. Talking yeah yeah and a hit baby, film so hot. The next year, Look Who's Talking 2 came out. <laughs> and then there was a little bit of a lag before our film, Look Who's Talking yeah. Now. I'm assuming it went through multiple rewrites so they could get the perfect script. I was going to say, mm-hmm. Too Beautiful to Live did the second film in the series. That's where the one with the talking toilet. It's, <laughs> well, another talking up. baby. What's the heightening <laughs> to empty. one talking baby? Two talking babies. It's They had to learn the lesson that Walt Disney learned with Three Little Pigs, where he said, you can't beat pigs with pigs. Mm. He couldn't just keep making Three Little Pigs cartoons. He had to do other stuff that wasn't pigs. He was couldn't make a, cartoons like a where a pig beats another pig. No, it's impossible, because pigs always form an alliance against humans. <laughs> Animal Farm by George Orwell. I talked about it on your brother's podcast. Yeah, and there's no, they have no arguments in that in that book, right? <laughs> no, they None get of the along pigs have anything bad happen to them. Perfectly well. <laughs> yeah? Uh, nothing. So, look who's talking is about a talking baby. But he's not really talking, it's just what he's thinking. Look mm-hmm. who's talking to, you got two talking babies. Luke yep. is talking now. The, but, kid, the but, kids have grown up. But we have a, a gender balance. Yes. Yeah, finally we've achieved gender Luke who's talking parody after so many years of progress. There was once a time when uh, girl babies couldn't even vote. 
mm-hmm. you know what? They still can't because they're babies. <laughs> yeah. They can't understand it. Today, we're actually recording on the night of the New York primary, and uh, my wife took our son Sammy with her to go voting, and he could not tell me which candidate they voted for. This what? two-year-old kid had no understanding of what was going on in Democratic politics. Maybe he was just trying to keep his vote private. Maybe. Yeah. That's true. I asked him, I said, who'd you vote for? And he goes, Voted. <laughs> I was like, all right, close enough, I guess. He was more excited Look, about the wait on the civic issue. duty is the main thing. <laughs> oh, he, civic's not the only duty he's making. Oh, oh dad humor. Anyway, so look who's talking now. The kids are grown up. They're uh-huh. already talked to to see a five year old talking is not impressive enough to go to the movies for and pay. Yeah, At no. the time, six dollars for a ticket. Yeah. Plus you got popcorn, plus Twizzlers probably. Then you see the thing about the float candy floating through space in the beginning and you're like, oh gummy bears, of course. You run out and get those. Yeah. Then you gotta sit they didn't even have screen entertainment, so it's not like you could buy time with that. You had to hurry. And when you get back Is this back when there would be guys walking around with little boxes hanging from their shoulders? Yeah. Little Rogers uh, foundation. You gotta put in couple bucks for that too oh yeah whatever oh, okay. happened to that that used to be at like every movie theater uh they realized that will rogers was dead and couldn't hurt them <laughs> they anymore couldn't bring him it's just a projection racket <laughs> yeah he was he Did was totally see? it heads. seems he died in a plane crash 70 years ago why are we still doing this uh so look who's talking now what's going to be talking now there are obviously a lot of options. Cars. You mentioned yeah. the toilet. Plants. Now, there is a talking toilet in one scene in Look Who's Talking To. Uh-huh. It's a fantasy sequence. And if you want fantasy sequences, <laughs> Look Who's Talking Now is chock full of filler in the form of fantasy sequences. <laughs> oh, boy. So what's going to talk? Is it going to be the sky? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be fire telling people, light me, burn your is house? Is it going to be like a like a television set? Now, that again, if it, that was talking, it would not be that impressive. Okay. Is it going to be like a, a t- talking doll? Uh, like a, like, like a an Chucky. Animal. I mean, you know, one of those Chuckies or Talky Tinas. Yeah. yeah. Here's what it is. Everyone's clothing talks. Oh, <laughs> that's and what's going on. It's they're mainly and comp- they're all saying, "I'm touching your boobs." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the clothes are perverts. Yeah. I'm touching your butt right now. Oh boy, I'm, I'm brightly your co- penis. I'm brightly colored. <laughs> well, there are a lot of brightly colored shows. Yeah. Shows brightly colored clothes. It's a real uh, Dick Tracy. Uh, Dick Tracy of a sh- of a movie. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. Dan, what really is the extra talking element? The extra talking element is dogs. Dogs. The series dogs. has gone to the dogs. Mm-hmm. As <laughs> Stewart said already. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah, like oh, ten man. minutes ago. I already, this episode is starting rough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, put, <laughs> put this one in the pound and put it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or as they say. When they're about to kill Danny DeVito's character rocks to be destroyed, mm-hmm. which I think is supposed to be a less visceral word than kill, but it sounds way worse. Yep. If you say you're going to kill a dog, it's like, oh, well, at least its body will still yeah. exist, right? You destroy, you say, destroy it. Destroy its soul it. has been banished to the other world. Well, on an atomic level, it's just been torn apart yeah. into particles. It's like when I when I get a sandwich and I'm like, I'm going to destroy this sandwich. Mm-hmm. Like the guy that's selling me the sandwich is like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> Give me that sandwich back. Here's your money. Get out of my restaurant. <laughs> I, I couldn't let you do that. You said that weirdly sexually, too. I Well, that's... I'm going to destroy this sandwich. That's how I talk to service oh, workers. <laughs> I'm just going to wreck this sandwich. Unleaded, please. <laughs> Fill her up. Mm-hmm. You guys are making it grosser than mine was. Uh, maybe. <laughs> so... so- 
so we open in a single shot. So the year is 1993. One shot, a single take, long shot. It is irreversible. Now, the year's 1993 when this came out. This was the big movie of the year, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> of mm-hmm. course it wasn't. Jurassic Park came out in 1993. The biggest movie maybe ever made. And the dinosaurs. I think scientifically, yeah, that's untrue. I think that. I we, mean, name uh, a bigger movie. Uh, Gone with the Wind. Uh, dinosaurs are like sixty feet tall. No one in that movie is over You're six right. feet tall. Dinosaurs could eat Scarlett O'Hara very easily, incredibly mm-hmm. easily. Think about the Civil War with dinosaurs. It's called Abraham Lincoln Dinosaur Hunter. I'm thinking about it, and I'm loving it. <laughs> Here's seven hundred thousand dollars. Perfect. Thank you. So I'm wait a second. A are the in this case are the dinosaurs plantation owners? Uh, yes. <laughs> Okay, well, another reason to hate dinosaurs, I guess. <laughs> no, but I like dinosaurs. Oh, shoot. Anyway, so we open, as Stuart said, with a single sh- long take shot of our heroes, John Travolta and Christy Alley. We've known them through the entire Look Who's Talking saga. They met. They fell in love. Oh, sorry. Christy they Alley are... had a baby out of wedlock. John Travolta married her. They had another baby in wedlock. They are, according to IMDb, uh, the tagline for this movie is, the world's favorite family is back. That is incredibly unearned promotional hype. <laughs> Hyperbolic. <laughs> I mean, as if... The you, world's name, favorite the family. Now, let's name just, one more favorite family. Now, considering the movie set at Christmas, Jesus and his parents, hugely popular <laughs> throughout the world. And I'm talking about both his dad... Uh, I was going to say the family from uh, Married with Children, the Bundys. The Bundys. They were huge at this the point. The Simpsons, mm-hmm. even bigger. Let's not forget the Winslows and the Co- and the Huxtables. The Cosbys. Mm-hmm. Well, the Cosbys and the Huxtables are the same people. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, I'm and, bad at TV. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Dick Van Dykes's and the uh-huh. Bunkers and the family from the show Dinosaurs. I don't remember if that was on the show All yet. of the families yeah, on somebody, Family Feud. Yeah, exactly. All of them. So all the people who, under, under their breath while they're listening to this show on public transportation, who said the name of that family on Dinosaurs, please tweet it when you get off the bus. Yeah, please you know? do. I think it's the Sinclairs. That that makes sense. Uh, but that doesn't sound tweet like it a at pun Flophouse enough. Cat. Well, no, all the cat. Yeah. All the, all tweet the, all of it at Flophouse <laughs> yep, Cat. All, all dinosaurs at, related correspondence <laughs> goes directly to my personal Flophouse Hashtag cat. not the mama. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Look, you gotta love him. He told you so. Yep. Uh, all the, the characters were named after oil companies. Oh, wait, the dinosaurs were? Yeah, yeah, it was a joke. I don't, really? what's the joke? Is it that their latex masks are made out of oil? I think it's that when they, their bones would become oil eventually. <laughs> yeah, it was a, sort of a morbid joke. <laughs> Maybe oh, these okay. characters that you love will eventually die and become fossilized, I mean, and then you'll burn them up in your car. Considering the final episode of the series was the Ice Age coming and everybody <laughs> is about to die, yeah. it's yeah. pretty close. Anyway, so they, Kirstie Alley and John Travolta, America's favorite family. Mm-hmm. Uh, they world's are, favorite family. Now you'd ex- world's favorite. I forgot the world's favorite family because in because in uh, in Namibia they're like, what's going on with the Look Who's Talking family? <laughs> in Japan they're like, oh, what what's happening now to the family whose last name I don't remember, yeah, even though they're very, my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> they get the name. poster. It says Look Who's Talking Now, and they're like, who who who? <laughs> For God's sake, who? Tell us who's been added. To the family. They had the same experience I had when I saw the poster for Gremlins 2 and my mind exploded. <laughs> they made another one just for me. Oh, man. I Why is that Gremlin like the HBO <laughs> first look for that thing? And I was like, a spider gremlin. <laughs> Do I live in the best time that has ever existed? <laughs> Medically, yes. <laughs> I, I remember when that movie, when Gremlins 2 was still in theaters, 
I had all the collectible cards and I would just go on road trip. Uh, when my parents would take me on road trips, I'd read the backs. Of yeah. The like you were watching cards. the movie. What was the, what was the lobby card I gave you? Was that the, was that Phoebe case being terrorized? In the, yes. In the elevator okay. when the gremlins arms go through those fourth floor woman's lingerie, <laughs> <laughs> because it's just the Looney Tunes cartoon at that point. And when the, when the elevator crashes, there's literally like a boink sound effect that squ- as they squish. What a good movie. We should have watched that. There's tons yeah. of talking shit in that movie. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so there these two are dealing with <laughs> tons of talking shit. You're like a normal movie, everyone just talks. <laughs> they don't make a big deal out of it. <laughs> Look, so every, once again, every movie since 1929 roughly has had talking in it for the yeah. most. I mean, there's some movies that haven't, but most of them have. Even Charlie Chaplin eventually was like, I got to get on this talking boat. Mm-hmm. So in 1993, to release a movie where things are talking, not so impressive. Yeah. Christy Alley, John Travolta. They're dealing with the stress, one, of being huge of Scientologists, the thing and about- two, of having these very stressful children. And then right, right away, the movie loses its audience because you expect the children to have the voices of Bruce Willis and Roseanne Barr, respectively. Yes. Why didn't they dub them into these child children's faces? It would have been perfect, it and it would have been- made sense thematically. <laughs> <laughs> you know that this boy is going to grow up to be Bruno, mm-hmm. and this girl is going to grow up to be She-Devil. Yeah, yeah, that's her character. Yeah, and so they're having tr- – it's a really stressful life having two young kids. They don't want to go to bed. Ah, they don't want to take a bath. Ah, blah, blah, they're blah, Benny blah. Benny Hilling around the apartment all the time. Oh, boy, mm-hmm. Yakety Sax is always playing in their minds and occasionally on their stereo. <laughs> They love novelty songs. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, take, put that Dr. Demento mix on. This is going to be great. Yeah. They're like, fish heads, fish heads, roly poly fish You know what, heads. honey? Let me cue up the music video. You know, Bill Paxton directed this? Yes, I know, honey. Thank you. Anyway, so they love novelty songs. We've established that. <laughs> That's their <laughs> defining trait. Now, John Travolta, as you know, is a pilot who's out of work and became a cab driver. And he's like kind of a goofy ne'er-do-well. Mm-hmm. And Kirstie Alley He always does, wears shirts that are about five sizes too big for him. Because it's the 90s. It, this is something I forget all the time until I watch 90s movies. Everyone's clothes were enormous. Like, everyone looked like a fucking Howard Chaikin drawing with huge shoulder <laughs> <Yeah>. pads and, <laughs> yeah. like, jodhpur pants. There's a scene where the uh, where the son is wa- – who's, like, what, six? Is walking mm-hmm. down the stairs, and he's wearing pants that look like they belong on a grown man. Like, they're so wide. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing to these kids? But that's – you guys, I assume, had clothes like that back then. I certainly did, where my mom was buying me shirts that, like – had so much excess fabric in it. What them. I remember yeah. about the 90s is that I wanted a Simpsons emblazoned outfit because that was the hippest thing for a oh, while, yeah. was to have any Simpsons thing. And so I somehow uh, I settled upon the nerdiest Simpsons option that was possible. Millhouse. Which was Bart giving the peace sign in front of a big <laughs> peace symbol saying, Peace, man. And I thought I was the coolest. <laughs> Were you the coolest? I was not. So where did you get that shirt from? Uh, I think it was a Jay-Z Penny uh, sweatshirt. A Jay-Z Penny? Yeah, Jay-Z <laughs> Penny. Well, I didn't know you started with retail before you went into rapping. I had 99 problems, and all of them were that shirt. <laughs> See, because my dad used to get us Simpson stuff, but he, my dad used to work in Manhattan at the time. He'd go so in there the bootleg and he'd just, he'd just pick up tons of bootleg shirts off the street. Awesome. So Do my you bro- still have them? Probably somewhere. My mom doesn't throw anything out. And you, they still fit. Uh, probably. <laughs> but uh, my, my sister and my brother and I would always be wearing Simpsons or Ninja Turtle shirts where the colors were all wrong. Where <laughs> Bart has like a yellow shirt and green shorts or like 
uh, this guy's got a red bandana, but he's holding nunchucks. That doesn't make sense. Michelangelo holds the nunchucks. And I remember very much the day when my dad came home with no bootleg shirts, and he was like, ah, all I could find was Homie the Clown merchandise, so I'm not <laughs> buying that for you. But it was too urban for you? It was too, I mean, in retrospect, Homie the Clown was an inappropriate character for a 10-year-old to have emblazoned on Yeah, because he's not eating shorts and then being an underachiever. <laughs> but appropriate, <laughs> appropriate for this movie because it looked like it was uh, the costume designer was the same person who did everything for In Living Color. It was, there were a lot of bold, bright colors. Yeah. Big, big styles. Uh, and jackets John, with uh, contrast sleeves on them. At one point, John Travolta. <laughs> the haberdasher in charge of this movie. <laughs> oh, there were so many hats. So many hats. They should have called this Look Who's Hatting Now. <laughs> or just Look Who's Talking Hats. And the hats should have talked, like in Lidsville. But they're not big. How they're did they not put fucking hats on the dogs? They were, they, were, they must have been littering the uh, the floor with hats. <laughs> now, what kind of hats do you think they would have? Like a, One of them have like a 10-gallon hat or? Or, uh, I mean, yeah, because it's a cowboy dog. Or a bur- Dan. I mean, the, Dan, you're obviously, out of this conversation. Obviously, now. the poodle will have a beret, of course, the traditional poodle but hat. Like, uh, Rox yeah. would have one of those, like, uh, like a beat up old hat with the front flipped up. Yeah, maybe it has a press card in it, <laughs> like a, a corner torn off. All right, and uh, what? Or maybe like he's got like a newsies cap, a newsies cap, with, like sure. a little bit of it's ripped, and she's wearing a tiara. Okay. Oh, that, that's technically a, a hat. What if he has a hobo hat? One of the which is <laughs> just a top, top hat with a top flapping a, off. Yeah, yeah, he could definitely do that. Little <laughs> yeah, like dog bindle yeah. over his shoulder. He's wearing dog shoes with the with the toes open, <laughs> and uh, she's wearing like hmm, like one of those old fashioned nineteenth century hats with a real dead stuffed bird on it, oh. yep. and glass cherries. Yeah. That would yeah. be great. I would like to see a dog's neck try and support all that weight. <laughs> it would be very difficult. So anyway, the uh, oh yeah, and there's I want to so we don't forget. I want us to point out of the clothes. John Travolta one point yeah, paint us a tapestry. He dresses up for a fancy dinner in a blue sport jacket or blazer <laughs> or suit jacket that is the bluest blue, and mm-hmm. it is so bright. It's like he took a blue screen from Industrial Light and Magic and just cut it into a shirt shape <laughs> yep. and just stuffed his sleeves, his arms through it. It's like, like you you were uh, you're staring deep into the baby blues of Paul Atreides. Who <laughs> know, has far too much spice from the atmosphere <laughs> in his bloodstream. There's When he waves his hands in front of it, it looks like he is a weatherman. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there's, yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, you'll just add a suit in post. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know how when the Rancor is fighting Luke, there's like a green comp, comp, a process shot line around it. It's like John Travolta's hands had that when they were in front of his jacket. It was really weird. Yeah, it's a color that does not exist in nature in any form, and somehow they tore it from some like the the hadron collider when two atoms exploded and turned it into a jacket that he wore. It was crazy. Yeah, it was a and luckily, blue and, suit. And luckily, he's, <laughs> it was so you know blue. I mean? And he's with, uh, and Kirstie Alley and Olympia Dukakis, his two dates, are also dressed yeah, very Kirstie Alley is what? She's in a, re- a bright red thing. And yeah, that matches her red called a dress. Has a purple number on. That matches her purple earrings. Yeah, yeah, so they are stressed out from their two kids. He's looking for work. He's having trouble finding it. It doesn't help that he has a light-up tie that he wears as a joke. He's kind of a goofy dad, mm-hmm. and she's kind of a stressed-out mom. And they are always trying to do it and always getting interrupted. Yeah. And so she finds out she's been fired from her job. 
At the same time, he goes on an interview at what appears to be the headquarters of the Tyrell Corporation from yeah. Blade Runner with a woman who is a kind of icy blonde CEO yeah. who doesn't wear a shirt, just a bra with a blazer over She's it. She's got a collection of blazers that, yeah, the boobs are front and center. It's like it's like the guys... <laughs> Hold on a second, Dan. Where else should the boobs be? <laughs> like back and diagonal? <laughs> Underneath and in circles? <laughs> It's it's like what would happen if the uh, the the you know you know sometimes they drift off to the side I guess yeah yeah and then you gotta push them slightly when you're going out with a gumby that's what that's the main problem that women face right they gotta recenter the boobs <laughs> every now and then that's what they go to so a they gotta they're getting it recalibrated and re re or geared yeah. yeah. I got I got to re-rack these things. Uh, the suspension on these is is shot. I got to go into Jiffy Boob. <laughs> Get it worked on. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I don't know if, if the listeners could hear literally the air escaping Stuart's body <laughs> as that pun hit him like a punch to the gut. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, his say? boss is basically if the weird science guys uh, scanned a nagel print and she sprang <laughs> to life. And so he gets a job as her private pilot, and Kirstie Alley is instantly threatened by this beautiful young rich woman. But mm-hmm. what can she do? They need to support the family, and so he takes the job. Yeah. Little realizing that she has designs on him and also will make him work all the time, taking him away from his family. Now, their son wants nothing more for Christmas than a DOG. That's right, a dog. Four paws. <laughs> Took me a, a second, tail. but I spelled no, it we to, Yeah, we had to do it in our head. And uh, their little girl wants nothing more than to defeat Charles Barkley in a one-on-one basketball game, mm-hmm. which we see in a fantasy sequence that has no bearing on the plot. And no. is oddly sexual. Yes, it's a weird... She she stares at him on TV in a yeah. weirdly sexual way, and it's, it's... I don't know. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I was looking up at the uh, IMDb trivia for this scene. I was not. And they, they <laughs> specified that... They had to slow down the basketball footage like a Hong Kong martial arts movie, or else the audience wouldn't know what was going on. They had to specify wait, that. Hold the on movie. a second. But do, do they not? Wait, so are basketball games slowed down? Because people watch those all the time. Well, no, normal basketball games don't happen at the speed that this little girl is yeah, dribbling the ball. Thing. She's <laughs> oh, so good. And then, provi- and then, <laughs> then dropping a hot dunk on Charles Barkley. Yeah. They did bring in a, a wire foo master from the, from the yeah. Shaw Brothers stable for that scene. Now, he wants a dog. They don't want to get him a dog. They live in a tiny New York apartment in a New York that looks suspiciously like Los Angeles in every single way, except that the cars have New York license plates. Mm-hmm. But or it actually, they probably shot it in Vancouver. So I don't know. Maybe that's what Vancouver looks like. Yeah, I wouldn't know. The only experience I have of Vancouver is seeing the movie uh, The Score with Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. which takes place in Vancouver. And the only experience I have of The Score with Robert De Niro... <laughs> Is uh, when I mentioned it just now, is uh, uh, Marlon Brando saying to Frank Oz that he's not one of the puppets that he can stick his hand up his ass and make him do what he wants? Ironically, my only experience with Frank Oz is watching Star Star Wars. Star Star Wars, he's not in that, he's in Empire Strikes Back, but he's not in Star Star Wars, (laughs) he is in Star Star Wars. Yeah, that's true. That's the movie where Star Wars is reinterpreted using real stars, Mm -hmm. Andromeda. Mm-hmm. Our own son, Beetlegeist, Beetlegeist, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, Sirius Altar, Altar, Sirius, what? the dog star. Speaking of dogs, they're in this movie. Mm-hmm. So the son wants a dog. 
There's a mishap with a Santa Claus. Kirstie Alley briefly has a job as an elf at a Santa Claus thing. This is a very Christmassy movie. And so pretty quickly, I shut off much of my brain because, because Christmas— you hate our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hate is a strong word. Uh, I have no emotional connection to. Well, he is an emotional connection to you. And I, nope. <laughs> and so, I have a pamphlet And potentially an ethnic connection to him, too. Oh, much yeah. stronger ethnic connection, potentially. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of controversy. I'm, I'm waiting on Elliot's birth certificate. <laughs> I'm going to go on Finding Your Roots, and they're going to do my DNA study. It's going to say 100% Christ. Yeah. I'll, I'll check wow. your birth certificate. I knew you were a secret Keebler. <laughs> Born in a tree, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she gets a job. as an. There's a lot of Christmas in this movie, and the movie is very, very heavily relying on the audience having an emotional connection to Christmas and the idea of a family being together on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And since Christmas I mean, to me is associated with... Easier to get a movie ticket. Theoretically. Easier to get a table at a Chinese restaurant. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not a monster, right? You can theoretically I understand. I wish I was a monster. <laughs> you can understand. Since I was a kid, I've wanted to be a monster. Yeah, you be like a wanting... Howie Mandel Little Monsters monster where you're peeing in apple juice jugs? That I don't want to be. Okay. I would rather be, okay, number one, Godzilla-type monster. Okay. Oh, okay. Number two, a Dracula. Mm-hmm. Number three, a Wolfman, but I can control the transformations. Number four, a duckula. A duckula. Oh, sure. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Number five, banicula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of culas that I could be. Drac, bun, duck. Mm-hmm. Anyway, now, would so, you want to be no, a I'm, Godzilla-sized Dracula? That would be silly. How am I going to find a tuxedo big enough to wear? I'm just going to be a naked Dracula. And that's not any, something anyone needs to see. So I was damn. just saying that as a gentleman of the Jewish faith, you can still understand the idea of Wanting to be with your family on the holidays. Oh, look, I'm I have a wife and child. Yeah, a much more what? Uh, sorry, a much more. <laughs> I was cheating on you, you with my family. You son of a bitch. A much more important holiday to me, Passover, is coming up at the end of the week. We're recording this, and it's very important for me to be with my family during that holiday. I'm not going to make a movie about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I will. I'm going to call it Passover. Bitter herbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like that movie, uh, a celebration. Yeah, <laughs> except it's at Passover. That was the one, right? Where it turns out everything's terrible. I mean, uh, yes, everything's terrible. So wait, terrible it's an ironic title. What? It's an ironic title, like Very a comedy up. or entertainment. Yeah. What's entertainment? It's that Neil Hamburger movie. Oh right. Okay, not that's entertainment, mm. which is not ironic. Very entertaining. So or Gunsmoke. <laughs> Also not ironic. Oh, it's... <laughs> Let's think of some other movies that are, have, don't have ironic titles. Yeah. Hellraiser, not ironic. I raised a lot of hell. Candyman, he appears in it. Yep, sounds like Kind of ironic, though. Uh, Look who's talking now. A little ironic in that it's not who's talking, it's what's talking. Death it's more dramatic. Death really did become her. Yeah, they looked great. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Now, <clears throat> look who's talking now. So they want to be together on Christmas. Who wouldn't want to be? But his job keeps taking them apart, and they both worry about their marriage. At the same time, John Travolta, to get on his son's good side, brings him to the pound to get a dog. Yeah, after his son realizes that Santa Claus doesn't exist. Let's rewind to the introduction of Rox, voiced by Danny DeVito, uh-huh. who is a dog who is born in a litter of dogs. Each Ooh, of the look Rox. Is, each of the Look Who's Talking movies, as kids' movies, starts with a scene that in, introduces sperm flying towards an egg. 
And if you case, had been taking bets as to whether or not this movie would feature the song Hound Dog, you would clean up on your bet. Yeah, it is. Although it is one to one odds. Yeah. You would now, win exactly the same amount of money that you bet. <laughs> I think that you, you are literally, you might as well just not make the bet. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think that seeing the original Look Who's Talking with the credits of a sperm fertilizing an egg may have been up until that point. The, the most erotic thing you'd ever seen. <laughs> I yeah. saw it at a church lock-in, and it may have been the. Who would, what kind of monster locked you in a church? <laughs> <laughs> it may have been the clearest uh, explanation of how an egg is fertilized that I'd seen or understood up until that point. Sure, like I saw this in early high school. And it is the state of uh, sex education in this country <laughs> that Look Who's Talking probably got it across the clearest, like, what the deal was. Well, did they show you the, the PG-rated cut, or did they show you the R-rated cut where you actually see the penis's head enter? And then it's <laughs> the urethra open like the maw of a sandworm? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just spewing Child it out. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. But in here, it's dog sperm and dog eggs. A yep. litter is born, so and the one that nobody wants, the runt, if you will, is Rox, played by Danny DeVito. Uh, Voiced by Danny DeVito, although I'm assuming he's when, not they his dog costume. Yeah, when they were blocking out the scenes, he and <laughs> Diane Keaton put on dog outfits. put on dog outfits and they staged it and they go, okay, bring in the real dogs. <laughs> Why did they, what if they shot the whole thing with Diane Keaton and Danny DeVito in dog costumes? They're like, this doesn't look good at all. We'll just, we'll just CGI some dogs oh in there over God. them. <laughs> I just want to imagine these little kids acting with Danny DeVito on all fours. And Diane Keaton on all fours, wearing horrific latex dog masks. And Danny DeVito is so excited on the premiere to see himself in the movie. <laughs> He's just, what? What are they? All right. And walks out this so is, angry. This is the Lorax all over again, even though that hasn't been made yet. Well, so what did he say, Stuart? I'm just glad uh, I would have been really sad because Rhea Perlman, I'm sure, dressed up really nice to see her her, her boy all <laughs> yeah. up on the big screen. Yeah, she she had a diamond dog shaped brooch. Mm-hmm. He actually wore his mother co- of pearl. Oh yes, yeah, right. he wore his costume to the premiere, so everyone they didn't even know it was him. They just thought it was some crazy dog man, and they shoot him away with a broom. Just <laughs> <laughs> said they sh- shoot him. <laughs> They're like, get this dog boy out of here. Go back to riffs. <laughs> Yep, they shot him. <laughs> oh, no. You gotta understand. You gotta understand. It's me, Daniel DeVito. <laughs> sure, sure it is. Who's... The limoncello magnate, Danny DeVito. <laughs> magnate. Last time I checked, Danny DeVito wasn't half man, half dog, you freak. Uh, it's me, John Candy from Spaceballs. Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. Barf, it's great to meet you. Come in, Mr. Mog. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mog with Michael Keaton. <laughs> Mr. Mog is my father. <laughs> Call me Bernie Mog. <laughs> now, anyway, uh, Rocks. He's he briefly pals around with a homeless man. That doesn't work out because he gets caught by the animal yeah, we control get a lot of person. shots of a dog running around and Danny DeVito providing voiceover. And Danny DeVito, DeVito just throwing jokes, maybe ad libbed, maybe not, in, onto the screen. Uh, you have to assume Danny DeVito and Diane Keaton each did their jobs for this movie in about 90 minutes, maybe mm-hmm. two hours. One can only hope. <laughs> yeah. uh, he goes like, to the Can pound. we do another take on that, Mr. DeVito? No? All right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, nope. Uh, Miss Keaton, another take on... Okay. I prefer to think Diane Keaton kept them there really late trying to get every line perfect. Yeah. She's like, you don't understand. This is Diane Keaton you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Everything I do is important I have to, to become me. Daphne the dog. 
uh, Rox gets, he's about to be destroyed at the pound, but luckily John Travolta and his son save him by adopting him. But when they get home, they find that John Travolta's boss, the sexy British lady, <clears throat> yep. she's British too, yeah. sexy British lady has given them a super fancy poodle dog with wow. the voice of Diane Keaton. Again, as we explained, not played by Diane Keaton. Although, just probably. <laughs> we can only assume the mocap yeah. was done by Diane Keaton in real life. Uh, this, these dogs are a handful. Daphne needs all this special treatment, and Rox is always chewing up the shoes. Mm-hmm. It was sort of charming to see uh, old-style dogs talking in a movie where they didn't feel like they need to... You know, Old-style dogs? Sh- yeah, my dog's saying, <laughs> I mean, they didn't have, they didn't have the... Here in dogs in art six, we talk like this. I mean, they didn't We have- still play poker around here, not those Game Boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to see a dog's playing Game Boys painting so badly now. Yep. <laughs> They're not Game Boys. Boys. Fucking Tetris? <laughs> They're, maybe one of them is playing Lynx. But oh, okay. it, yeah, the other ones are all playing Tetris and they're not talking to each other. That's the modern thing that dogs do is they play Game Boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, Candy Crush, but Game Boy is something means something to me. You were saying they, no, they don't just have like, like animated. They don't have mouths. animated. I mean, like that started with Babe, so it's not, like it's not like they had the technology. The babe back with John then. Goodman. That's mm-hmm. right. I <laughs> thought, they animated John Goodman's mouth. See, I always thought they just put peanut butter on his teeth so that he would look at. <laughs> it would look like he was talking. <laughs> That's right. In fact, look who's talking. It's John Goodman in that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you're right. There's no animated mouths. There's no puppets. It's yeah, just a it's dog kind of with fun a... to see the old style of like, I don't know, just just putting a voice over a dog. <laughs> I gotta tell you, Dan, I'm nostalgic for a lot of old movie production <laughs> techniques. This is not one that plucked at my heartstrings. <laughs> oh, oh, the laziest thing. They're just having someone talk over footage of a dog. Yeah, they don't even try and match it up to the dog flapping its gums. Or even the dog doing because an the, action that matches the, mo- the, the dialogue And sometimes. they're able to communicate with each other. So I guess they're all like telekinetic or no, telepathic. Yeah, that's I, that I has mean, to be because they're not even growling; they're just thinking. Each or is that well, is the, that them communicating using pheromones? It's the old question of the Garfield comic strip, isn't it? I mean, because those are all thoughts. Like it's all like yeah. But what's my question? My, my real question is: How does this cat eat so much fucking lasagna? Yeah. <laughs> He's very fat. Yeah, Garfield but, thinks something. Does Odie hear it? I think there's no there's no evidence to believe Odie does hear it. Yeah. Normal, on the other hand, he seems to be communicating with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, but that could be all body language. The look who's talking to, okay. uh, th- there the kids did the same thing. They just kind of thought at each other, mm-hmm. and they could understand and have conversations. Which, having grown up with a sibling, that is not how it works. Not at all. You have to con- you have to communicate through a series of complicated fart codes. Well, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> See, that was because they had the grace of, of babies. It was before they had sin, Elliot. <laughs> So they had the power of telekinesis. I thought we were born telepathy. Telepathy. And telekinesis. Yep. Whoa, the full package there. Oh, it's a good life all over again. He was born and the pain was so much that he destroyed the world with his telekinetic powers. There's that deleted scene where they wish John Travolta into the cornfield. And he just starts dancing in it or whatever. Now, uh... I don't even. Oh yeah, so they've got these dogs. In their house. <laughs> yeah, there's dogs. There's all over. the two dogs don't like each other. It's a real. I mean, I guess Hollywood had never made a movie before about like a rich, fancy dog <laughs> no. first having a trouble with and then falling in love with like let's just call it a tramp for lack of a better mm. word, like kind yeah. of a, a dirty vagabond dog like this. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where they almost have spaghetti with each other. Like that's 
I mean, you got to give them credit for like an original gag. That's the scene story. where they leave a sleeping Kirstie Alley and then go out on the town and walk past a full restaurant <laughs> of people eating giant pasta meals. <laughs> full Italian. I assume it's an Olive Garden. Yeah, it's which open is late. Wh- either an all night pasta place or Kirstie Alley goes to bed at six or something. <laughs> She's very tired from taking care of these kids while John Travolta's jetting around with his posh spice boss. Mm-hmm. Okay, Christmas is coming. Ah, yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. find not let you forget it for a second. It is constantly Christmasing up, and that's another another uh, mark in the direction of this not having been shot in New York. Is that literally until the day of Christmas, it does not look cold at all anywhere. Yeah. So we're to believe we're introduced to the idea that the little boy wants a dog, and it's September. Uh, I believe when he oh, yeah, first is it, is starts he's work- going back to school. Yeah, he's working on his his Christmas list in September, and he says he wants a dog. And that's roughly around the same time as Danny DeVito dog squirts out of the mommy dog stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that means <laughs> between September and romantic about a dog <laughs> between September and let's say December. Okay, he becomes a pretty large let's dog. Say December, since that's when Christmas is. <laughs> let's let's just say December. I hadn't realized that. But it makes more sense than if the whole movie takes place in December, in which case rocks would be like a jack of a dog where he ages four times faster than everybody else. It's a really sad movie. It's tragic. Yeah. Dog, dogs already age seven times mm-hmm. as fast as humans. He's a Solomon Grundy of a dog. Then he was sure. born on born a Monday? Monday. Yep, but, the, but he died, like he just lives a week, right? Isn't that the, it, the whole thing? Because he's don't a mayfly, the, yeah. Yeah. There's a whole lot of kerfuffle over Christmas. Mm-hmm. Is John Travolta going to make it there? He keeps promising... I'll be home for Christmas. I'll be home mm-hmm. for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas. Meanwhile, Christie Alley and John Travolta are kind of suspecting each other of being unfaithful mm-hmm. in that. And this is illustrated by a double dream sequence yep. in which John Travolta dances with his boss, a tango of some kind. And Christie Alley is just like making out with George, George, Seagal. George Seagal as a yeah, Santa Claus. As Santa Claus. Because earlier on in the movie, we didn't mention this. Christy Alley, after she gets a pink slip from her like high powered like business job, the only job she can find is as an elf in a mall Santa Claus, which seems like in a, a mall weird... Santa Claus inside a <laughs> like, mall Santa Claus. Do the kids Claus. crawl into his butt and That's there's right. an elf in there? <laughs> <laughs> Hands them presents. She's like, hey, how you doing? Have a spleen. I mean, I don't guess tell him I'm in here. It's very warm, and I'm, that, I don't have to pay rent. That entrance makes the most sense because it's probably the lowest entrance to the ground, depending on dick length. <laughs> Wait, so <laughs> all right. I don't. I like mean, we can get going. out a tape you know measure. I forgot. You know what? Forget I introduced the idea of entering through Santa's butt. <laughs> Let's just erase that yeah. from our minds. But the decision on what interest to use is completely made on lowness to the ground. <laughs> kids. Yeah, what, are they going to get on a step stool? The kid, the kid, I'm just checking. Kids are like water. They choose the path of least resistance. <laughs> <laughs> they go into the first hole they find, dude. Yeah, they're like golf balls or gophers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's common. I know a couple of things. That's one of them. The other is... Get on the floor. Wait, open the door. Get on the floor. Everybody Every- walk the dinosaur. <laughs> That's one of the things you know. There's like two things I know. You're like, okay, I, I opened the door. There's a the filing th- cabinet. It's on the outside. It says things I know. 
This is in his brain. Zoom no, into Stuart's brain. I. There's a file cabinet with spider webs all over it that says things I know, and it's mostly drink recipes and what different boobs look like. And there's a there's a video cabinet next to it that just has Head of the Family, Invisible Maniac, and uh, and Castle Freak. Yep. Oh man. And then there's the fact that you a kid enters to the lowest entrance <laughs> to the floor. And also the steps to walking the dinosaur. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I opened the door. Oh, I think no, I can I'm walk the dinosaur now. First. Whoa, 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 let me check. I didn't get on the floor. <laughs> yeah, you'll get crushed. <laughs> so so uh, they, they have a double dream sequence where the dreams start interacting with each other. Yeah, and this is actually like, this is kind of a fun scene. It's, yeah. It's silly. It plays with uh, what you can do in film, I guess you could say. Yeah, and, it's, and it John Travolta. Inception. At this point, John Travolta is more. Whoa, whoa. whoa. John Travolta is more coast, charming that was, as a. This is John Travolta entering the room. Why are you making fun of my movie? This is me, John Travolta. I will say, John Travolta does do a lot of voices in the movie. He seems to have thought, like, I do a lot of good voices. I'll bring them all out. Stuart, so you were saying, John Travolta. Well, I'm just saying that he's. He is a very charming dance performer, and that's kind oh, of what yeah. he was, yeah. before Pulp Fiction. That was kind of what he was known for, right? Was his dancing skills? Well, Saturday Night Fever, along with Welcome Back, Cotter, I guess, like those are things that made him a star. And he, yeah, dancing was something that he always had in his back pocket. That he, when you look back at his career, like didn't use anywhere near as much as you'd think he would. I mean, he until, dances a lot in like fucking Phenomenon or well, Michael. Which late, is the one where he's like magic? Michael, Michael is the one where he has, he's an angel. Phenomenon is the one where he has a tumor that gives him telekinetic powers. Oh, okay. There's a scene in Roadhouse and Michael where he's dancing around. I yeah, I think after Pulp Fiction, people uh, were like... Which is the one where he's dancing to Spirit in the Sky. That's Michael. Okay. So after Pulp Fiction, I think people are like, oh yeah, this guy can dance. So they shoehorn dancing into like almost all of his movies. But like in Get Shorty, he doesn't dance, right? No. No, I don't think so. He just throws James Gandolfini down a staircase, which was another talent he had that people forgot about. Yeah. Yeah. Gandolfini throwing. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he silver medaled in the Olympics. <laughs> so they're dancing. Uh, Kirstie Alley enters John Travolta's dream and is like, oh, this is just a dream. We're not really cheating on each other. And Kirstie Alley goes, if this is a dream, I can do whatever I want. And she makes the blonde lady disappear Revealing just two boob implants, which falls like saline bags that fall. That doesn't make any sense at all. Or silicon bags. If her clothes disappear, why do those not disappear? I mean, maybe that like the Lord doesn't like because it's not technically part of her body. He considers them unclean, so doesn't accept her spirit. She was raptured. Yeah, she was sending John Travolta back to kill John Connor, and so like she couldn't bring the non-organic material with her. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, but uh, there was it's it like one of the many jokes in the movie where like this is a. I guess a family movie, but there's some. I guess the early '90s was a time of very sexualized jokes and family movies. Well, I guess nowadays they have that we too. Do it all the time. Yeah. Actually, you know what? It's you gotta on. keep. You gotta the keep the parents interested. <laughs> I forgot. I'm going to you hell know, in a fucking handbag. I forgot. Have you seen the way these kids dress nowadays? Crazy. What with the what with the backwards baseball caps and those fucking shoes with the wheels in the heel. <laughs> Where are, they, yeah. where are they going? What do they got to do that they got to get there so fucking fast? You guys reminded me. I forgot that one day a hard real rain's going to come and wash the scum off the street <laughs> in the form of kids. Now, uh, and they dance together kind of in a Stair Rogers type classic dance routine. Yeah. And long story short, it all comes to a head on Christmas where the boss creates an elaborate ruse to get John Travolta alone with her in a cabin 
in a blizzard that I guess she arranged with somebody. Yep. And she She's un- very wealthy. She unplugs the phone slash fax machine. It's 1993. And, so that he can't call out and begins to seduce him by pretending she doesn't know how to dance. And he's got to teach her. Kirstie Alley is back at home with her mom, Olympia Dukakis, and the kids and her dad, who has no lines in the film. <laughs> and He does nod once. That's true. I, he, I does, wanna, uh, he does not. He got paid SAG yeah. scale for that <laughs> nod. And she says, you know what? We're not going to spend Christmas without him. We're going to go find him because apparently they're We're going to st- spend Christmas with the Cranks. <laughs> no, no. No, the Cranks don't want to celebrate Christmas what? this year. They're tired of it. So they, they, she, they deci- she says, Mom and Dad, you don't have that many years left. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Each one of these Christmases is something I cherish. You got to split. <laughs> Here's the Kahlua. Hang out here. Uh, and and uh, they pile in the car. They drive up to the upstate New York cabin where mm-hmm. John Travolta is staying, but it's a snowy road and a tree has fallen and blocked the path. Yep. I yeah. guess because either the wind knocked it down or the American soldiers are trying to block the Hessians from making their way through <laughs> Brooklyn <laughs> to force them across the Gowanus yep. Creek and then back into Manhattan. Uh, but they don't know about the headless Hessian who rides through those woods. Uh, Luckily, if you cross a bridge, he has no powers. Oh, okay. What if you cross... Jeff Bridges, because he's mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You cross Jeff Bridges just by making him angry, then yes. Mm -hmm. You should be. Soldier can't get you anymore. You should be building Jeff Bridges. (laughs) And not Mm -hmm. burning Jeff Bridges. Uh, Bo Bridges doesn't have any effect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So don't play that card in Magic the Gathering. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to spend four forest mana to bring in Bo Bridges. You tap him and it literally says, has no effect. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Maximum Bob. Yeah. You keep it because it's a foil card and it's rare. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's worth something, but you don't have to put it in your playing deck. You put it in your deck because you're like, I like alliteration, I guess. (laughs) I want to show off that I have this, but I just hope Dingus Egg comes up instead. Mm Mm-hmm. Or what was that prodigal sorcerer or something? I don't know. What was the that was the one where it would hit you for one life and the really slimy kids would just play it over and over again. So I didn't actually play that much Magic the Gathering, nerd. Uh, <laughs> uh, now I feel nerdy. Anyway, so she they pile into the car. This tree gets in their way. They drive down a hill and they're stuck. Uh-huh. Christy Alley at this point. She At this is, point, she starts eating her children. I guess <laughs> yeah. she's trapped in a car with her children in the middle of a, the middle of a snowstorm. She is as calm as I could imagine any parent being in that situation. She's like, "Hey, kids, let's start opening presents, and I guess I'll go out and get a stick and then walk around." Mm-hmm. And Unfor- luckily, all her gifts are like cold weather survival gear. Yeah, they're opening up hats and earmuffs. They mm-hmm. brought the dog ice axe. With- Hooray! <laughs> a, a, a sterno stove. Fantastic. <laughs> they. uh they brought the dogs with them, too, because, of course, you're driving in the winter. You want to bring two animals that can't be put in seat belts and can only jump in your lap and make you swerve off the road. Mm-hmm. And that comes in handy when a wolf comes by. Yep. And this wolf is the best character in the movie yeah. by far. He's got he, a Catalan accent. He has the he's either Catalan voice. or he's, yeah, he's coded as gay. And I don't know. This wolf is, for some reason, coded as, like, a gay black man on the DL. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like a, a still-in-the-closet Titus Androm- Androg- uh, Andromedon from, uh, mm-hmm. from Kimmy Schmidt. I was going to say Titus Androgynous, which is a Flophouse <laughs> joke. Not a real thing. Uh, and he fights with rocks, and rocks 
fights them all. He doesn't fight and rocks. Well, he doesn't throw daddy. rocks. No, We're no, talking no. about rocks the character. Rocks the dog. So like, we by, get, by this point also, Rocks the dog and Daphne the dog are in love. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we get we are greeted to lowered. a classic Jack London Call of the Wild situation <laughs> where Rocks has to face off against uh we'll call him Spitz, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Let's call him uh let's call him Gay Wolf. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's a laser wolf, but I guess he's not gay. No, and he wants to marry Seidel because yeah. he's lonely. What were we talking about? Okay, wolf. Fiddler on so the roof. Get- wolf. So, Fiddler on the Wolf is the story <laughs> is the story of a family of wolves who are Jewish, mm-hmm. and they've got two marks against them. One, they're Jewish in Tsarist Russia. That's tough. Two, they're wolves. So even the right human Jews don't want them around. Mm-hmm. So they've got to go. To America. It's called An American Tale, T A I L, Fiddler uh-huh. on the Wolf, Part mm-hmm. Two, The Reckoning. I'm trying to come up with puns for the songs. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere out, Wolf. Yep, uh, perfect. There are no whatever kills wolves in America, mm-hmm. and the streets are paved with whatever wolves. Silver, eat. yeah, yeah. Silver. So, silver. Kills no, that's, wolves. that's deadly to these wolves. Yeah. Now, the sequel. Fiddler on the Wolf goes west, mm-hmm. tells the story of the same characters, but they go west. How far west? Too far west. They drown in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Don't worry. Luckily, they're saved by... Uh, uh, sea turtles? Poseidon? Both. Poseidon riding a sea turtle. Okay. And Captain Caveman. We're reintroducing the character. We're rebooting <laughs> him for the 21st century as like a gritty Captain Caveman character. Okay. He's more savage. <laughs> and he he's kills got, like, people. And he's got... <laughs> Like a giant caveman penis and balls hanging out. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> <You're what? laughs> so into penis and balls. I thought, I thought you were saying dark and gritty. I see, yeah, I don't understand how that's. Do the does do the dark Christopher Nolan super movies involve giant penises hanking out? I don't know. I, I thought we were just uh, blue sky. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. There's no bad ideas in this room except for that one. Yeah, I didn't know there was all this judgment. I gotta say, nothing would be less dark and gritty than if superheroes walked around with their penises hanging yeah. out, going. Woo! Woo, woo, woo. fly around. <laughs> oh, I guess he's got that club with a little bird in it. Oh no, the the club now <laughs> because it's dark gritty, it's just a club that just beats okay. people. The only way that superheroes could activate their powers by doing a little pinwheel penis action. Frederick Wortham would have been right. <laughs> he would have been right that comic books were distorting sexually and in delinquent ways the juveniles of America. If that was the only way they could activate their powers. But Dr. Wortham, my character, the pinwheel, is just an innocent man. Who got bitten by a radioactive penis, <laughs> and now he has to use his uh, penis I, for I, powers. I, I don't know where to start with telling you what's wrong <laughs> or problematic at the very least with that synopsis. Okay, my character Batman. Just, he bats uh, things away with his penis <laughs> when crooks throw them at him. And and and, and Robin, and that's just, his underage lover. He just, he just lives with his ward <laughs> called Junior Butts. <laughs> Junior Butts, who's actually an old sea, crusty sea salt, who served in the Merchant Marine during the Spanish-American War. Okay, so he fights off the wolf, yep, and then goes off. He suddenly smells John Travolta somewhere, probably because John Travolta is so turned on by his boss that yeah. he's pheromoning like crazy. Yeah, yeah. musky. And uh, he runs off to he's get it. He's wearing him. that blousey shirt, and you know how sometimes that just traps the smell? Yeah, yeah, and then whenever you move, it gets released through your neck hole mm-hmm. and your sleeve holes. Which, that was also the time where the sleeve holes and the neck holes were meant to be super tight, but everything else is extra blousey. It was very billowy. It was mm-hmm. a very billowy time. Everyone wanted to look like a circus tent. <laughs> that was just the fashion. So 
Uh, John Travolta, meanwhile, it's like old times where you, you, if you're fat, it shows that you've got extra money. In this thing, Casey's like, if you have extra fabric, it shows that you have. <laughs> if money you were to burn. poor, you'd only buy shirts that fit you. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't get all this extra voluminous fabric that makes you look like you're drowning in a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> so he, John Travolta, at this point, is on to his boss. She unplugged the phone and she's trying to seduce him. He drops her on the ground and drops her from his heart. And when she says, "You're fired." He's okay with it. Rox shows up at the yeah, door. Yeah, we have an immediate turnaround. Yeah. They're like, look, we we need to end this movie now. Let's just wrap this up super fast. I mean, to be fair, John Travolta never seems to be attracted to his boss throughout the That's movie. That's true. It was more like, she was always coming on to him, but he was always like, all this work, I don't know what to do about it. It was kind of like that movie Obsession, where you're supposed to believe that Idris Elba is being tempted away by this woman, but at no point does he actually seem tempted. And also, he's married to Beyonce in that movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the most attractive women in the world. I mean, it's it boggles the mind. But anyway, so uh, Rox finds John Travolta. Meanwhile, Daphne runs off and discovers how to be a wild dog and smells where the park rangers are, mm-hmm. gets them, brings them back to, say, Percy Alley. Uh, Rox takes John Travolta back to the cabin, but along the way, the wolf, com- wolf comes back with his friends, other wolves, mm-hmm. and a fight breaks out. John Travolta shows up with a ragged bandana, the bandana that Rox was wearing, and says, oh, I was attacked by wolves, and Rox saved me, and here he is! Rox walks in. <laughs> Everyone was worried that Rox was dead. Uh, yeah, they, they waited outside for a second. They're like, this will be a hilarious Christmas prank. <laughs> we'll make everyone yeah. believe you're dead. Do we prank people on Christmas, boss? Is that what we do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the thing we do on Christmas. We prank people. We prank people on every holiday. Uh, like, my, wait, my am I, am I, pranks are amazing. Am I technically your boss, or is that like a new nickname? <laughs> <laughs> do I have to pay you? Well, you already pay me in food, so yeah, basically. Uh, should I be contributing so, to like pension and health for you? Yeah, <laughs> plan for my future, boss. <laughs> so John Travolta comes to the ranger yeah. station to find his family. I'm only assuming since we don't see him, the ranger is in the back room, like slowly oiling a pistol to commit suicide <laughs> because his one moment of happiness and family connection has been uh, stripped from him. Yeah, by these squatters. Uh, the, but the ranger turns up his radio and they hear Santa Claus over the radio. The boy's faith in Santa is rekindled and... The movie's over. Or so you think, because that's when the craziness starts. <laughs> yeah, this is the best part of the movie. At the at the very end of the movie, so during the credits. We were all expect I at least was expecting us a shot of like Rox and Daphne, the dogs, running around, and then a bunch of fucking puppies well, but, that look like each of them chasing or, after them. Or a bunch of bloopers. Let's just face it. Yeah, bloops. Run-of-the-mill bloops. Or, or like little versions of the two babies running after the babies. <laughs> <laughs> What, to to signify the passage of time? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> but instead, suddenly the way that things are filmed gets changed. And I, I joked like, oh, here comes the music video, because it looked like a music video. It was a different film stock. And in, it turns out, no, it actually was a music video from famous uh, baby... Yeah, famous. <laughs> baby, <him> <laughs> famous baby musical star, Jordy. Now, you may not remember Jordy. That's because he is a French novelty act who had his first hit when he was a baby. And Santa Claus stops by the house, a different house than we've seen previously in the film that I'm living in, and shoves this <laughs> super cool rad kid in sunglasses and a backwards hat and neon clothes down the chimney where the two kid stars of the movie are playing 
This kid this starts. Like, at first, I thought it was like an Oliver Twist thing. <laughs> first, we're like, and Santa was like, "Is Fagan. Santa bringing a new kid? Is that what's going on? <laughs> is this, is this did the, the stork? Did the movie forget from the beginning of the film how babies are made, <laughs> and now Santa delivers them? This kid delivers a this, this a message. French kid is <laughs> like French, not quite rap, not quite techno, not at all rock and roll song about how it's Christmas, and with the laziest delivery I think yeah, any yeah. performing child has ever had. He's like, hey. Hey, cool kid, you're so cool. You don't really have to move when you dance. Yeah, and he and he sings about how it's Christmas. Yeah, he brings, say Christmas. It's called it's Christmas. It's Noel. Say Noel. Say Noel. Yeah. yeah, it's Christmas. Say Noel. Yeah, and uh, he brings to life with magic dust the dolls of the world the girl <laughs> has gotten, and then it turns out they're all in a dollhouse. And Christy Alley and Don Travolta have been sleeping through most of this, and they wake up and they're like peering into the dollhouse and seeing, I assume with horror, that their children have been miniaturized <laughs> yep. to like a bunch of Stuart Littles and are now trapped inside this dollhouse with a functioning fireplace. And, and we, they're you being know, led, have, led to Santa like a Pied Piper situation. I have to, if I was them, I would see Santa on the roof and grab him like King Kong and mm-hmm. shake him and be like, "What have you done to my children?" Well, Bring them back, or I'm going to well, crush your old elf skull. I've watched enough Puppet Master movies and Demonic Toys movies to know that that doesn't work because he'd turn his hands into buzz saws and chop your wrist off. That's a very good point. I don't want to over six guns. <laughs> I don't want to overstate the final credits to this movie, but we watched the rest of this movie, you know, mostly like a normal flop house movie, and then as soon as the credits hit. <laughs> Hysterical laughter. <laughs> it's like we hit hyperdrive. <laughs> it was nonstop laughter. We couldn't catch our breath. Tears flying from our faces like lusty Japanese characters in cartoons. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it was like, that. yeah, it was, I think, because the movie is pretty boring and dull. It's a normal. It's just a, it's just a by the numbers Christmas family, family movie, movie with talking dogs. And then suddenly, the, and also suddenly, very American. It the, is such a snapshot of America, middle class yeah. white America in 1993. And then suddenly this. The like, door to madness <laughs> flies open. In only the way that a European novelty act can do. It just becomes crazy and you're like, what is this? What rules of the universe is this playing by? Because it has nothing to, like, I expect there to at least be a dog in this music video, but there's no dogs. Uh, but It is crazy. It's he gets across the, the message that it's Christmas, it's Christmas. Yeah, it's, it's worth watching the movie to get to that point, because I feel like it's not going to have the full impact unless you see the whole film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, but boy, howdy. You know, what I liked about this movie is how much of it takes place. Uh, so much of the, the scenes are the kids and the dogs running around this tiny little apartment. And it feels like they're trapped there, like some like one-act play. <laughs> yeah, it's the, ex- it's the uh, exterminating angel or no exit or something. <laughs> sure. you know. well, we should uh, give our final judgments on this movie. We've gone way long. Is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked? I'm going to – I'm honestly – because it's such a snapshot of early 90s America, as you said, and because maybe in no small part of the little push over the edge that final uh, music video gives. Push over the edge of the abyss of madness. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it a marginal good-bad movie. I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I expected. Uh, maybe it's because of the – I think it's almost – it's almost certainly because of the curve that we're grading these things on. And after also watching because so you thought Danny movies. DeVito was hilarious. Yeah. 
as the wise Kraken dog rocks. Let's just say wise Kraken. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow Dan's going to have to uh, smear some bruise cream on his knees because he was slapping those knees at all them <laughs> yeah. jokes. Dan, I'm glad that you finally tied your sides shut because they were splitting. <laughs> uh, uh, I, actually, I agree with you. because one, I think similar to Golden Child, if you grew up in the same years that I grew up in, then just looking at the clothes that everybody's wearing in this makes it worth having fun watching and yeah that video at the end is like what i almost wish we hadn't mentioned it so yeah. that people would be able to discover it on their own but i'm gonna say marginal good bad it's not a, it's not so bad that it's fun but it's like if you want to see a movie where every outfit people wear is a crazy trip back in time 20 years ago then yeah go for it Stu. yeah let's do three for three guys marginal good bad it's uh watch watch with somebody you love <laughs> <laughs> For a dog, the uh, movie that opens up with dogs talking to each other, and then dog sperm flying toward an egg, and uh, it ends with a little French kid rapping about Christmas. <laughs> yes, fucking great. <laughs> and in between, it's all hats and puffy shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch this thing. New to Maximum Fun, the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved or just interested in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. All sponsored by Grazex, the latest grass replacement pellet from Mitchell's. If it's not Mitchell's, get back in the truck. Find us at MaximumFun.org or on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. And if it's not clear, this is a comedy podcast. Beef out. Uh, okay, so, uh, wow, that's three for three. That's final judgments. Uh, What's now, it time for now? Now it's time for a little bit of Flophouse house cleaning? No, it's Is it Flophouse housework? Or you call it that, nobody else or calls it. Or I'll that. just call it j- 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 Jumbotron. 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 This, this, uh, this uh, today's Jumbotron message reads An idiotic man named Dink is pulled into several tales of intrigue around the world, coming into contact with ghosts, UFO cults, undead pirates, and roving gangs of clowns. These are my own honest words, I swear. This book is great. It's called Dink, and it's really, really funny. Uh, if you want to learn more, why don't you go visit www.dinkthebook.com. That's all one word. Or just search for L.P. Wallinger on Amazon.com. That's the author, yeah. Yeah, you won't know what the clue is until you Google it. <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah, check that out. And if you'd like to have your message on the Jumbotron, go to MaximumFun.org Jumbotron. Jumbotron. Yep, Jumbotron. And if you'd like a real-life Jumbotron, just, like, get a big movie mm-hmm. screen and project Tron on it. <laughs> Jumbos. Project Tron on the side of an elephant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Operation Jumbodrop. But now it's time to move on to Letters from Listeners, your favorite segment, my favorite segment, his favorite segment. Who's he? Who knows? This is a spoken word version of one of my songs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Suddenly Dan's trying to get in on the act of wasting time before the letters start. Well, get one thing straight. Get one thing straight, dick. Nobody wastes time like Elliot. Nobody wastes time like Elliot. Let's count the number of ways he can waste time. Oh, no. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, no. eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, oh. sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. That just counted as one way. Oh. Counting is a way to waste time. Number two, remembering things. Hey guys, do you remember uh, a couple minutes ago you were saying this the is thing the fucking about PM Dawn spoken word break? 
down. <laughs> you know, normally I just pretend to be annoyed by this, but oh boy. No, avoid the noise, Dan. Uh, you know what? I made a mistake. Before we move on to letters, I just want to thank a couple I wasted people. a song. <laughs> I want to th- I just want to thank a couple of people who sent things in. Thank you to Vanessa for the uh, Colonial Williamsburg cookbook and other ephemera that she sent to me. Mm -hmm. Thanks also to Anne Marie Newman for the care package. Came on a bad day, so it was much appreciated. And then a gift to all of us here at the Flophouse. A big thanks to Bill O'Donnell for the very generous gift of a digital recorder. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Bill. To use as a backup. It's a... he sent it in saying, in case there was another Babylon AD situation, he wanted the us to have a lost episode, a yeah. backup recording option, and so uh, we do now. Thank you so much, above and beyond, Bill. Yeah, very yeah. much so. I Space don't mean that nearly as sarcastically as my voice always sounds. <laughs> Stu just sounds sarcastic, but he means it from his heart. But mm-hmm. thank you very much. Thank you. I want to thank you. Oh. oh. <laughs> It's Mr. Roboto. <laughs> uh, but the first letter of the evening is from Pete, last name withheld, who writes... Peter Dinklage. After hey, guys, it's me, Pete D. Thanks Pete for watching D. my movie, A Little Bit of Heaven. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> After your fateful findings episode, I had to write in. My partner and I cemented our relationship at a midnight showing of Neil Breen's modern masterpiece, which screened in a theater to us and maybe five other people. Later on, we rallied a few friends to attend another screening, and as as incentive, I created a drinking game I call Inebreenated mm-hmm. after the film's writer slash director slash hunk slash heavy slash hacker slash magician, which all I think who, he's also the caterer, <laughs> <laughs> who also may be supernatural. If you're interested, you can find it in all its glory. Here and he sends a link to the uh, the drinking game, which I hope I remember to put up on the website. Only time will tell. <laughs> I bring it up. Because- somebody, listeners, somebody called Dan on Saturday and remind him to put it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's one, two, three, fake number. <laughs> you just program it. Wow, whatever. you got that one locked in. Huh? Yeah. How do you how do you spell that? So your area code is one two three. <laughs> That's right. I live in. Colonial Williamsburg. Nope. Oh, yeah, okay. that's where you the got first your first Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I bring it up because at the end of the this drinking... This is how we used to dip candles. What's that, Goody Thomas? <laughs> yeah, I'll stop by. Sorry, Colonial Booty Call. We had these back then. I bring it up because at the end of the drinking game, the winner slash loser was tasked with calling Neil Breen. We found an old ad. Apparently, he was or is a real estate agent. Oh, still is. With a phone number. And it was promptly added to the game. Oh, he must live in Colonial Williamsburg. He has a phone number. And fellas, I called, and Neil Breen picked up. For real. I was totally paralyzed. I'm not an experienced prank caller or anything, and I didn't think there was any chance I'd be talking to... <laughs> did you call him Sizzle Jest? <laughs> <laughs> well, he says, I... I, I Learn from the best. I didn't think there was any chance I'd be talking to Dylan. Whoops, sometimes I call Breen by his character names. He really disappears into a role. Mm-hmm. He said... Hello? 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 And then waited before hanging up. Anyway, I do have a request. Is there any possibility you could call on the power of the Flophouse fans to dig up Breen's older movies? Double down and especially I'm here, ellipsis, now, with an extra dot in the ellipsis. Is that the one where he's like a cyborg Jesus? 
Well, that's what he says. I'm here now is the one where Neil appears to be some kind of robot space Jesus <laughs> who enacts revenge on drug dealers or something. Double Down was briefly on YouTube, but I left before I could. Cons- but left before I could c- consume it all. That's the one where Neil Breen is two breaded chicken patties, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that one, <laughs> I can't explain. Double Down, I watched it. God help me, I can't. This is Dan talking in the voice of Dan and not the writer. Yeah, I did, however, witness a, an even recklesser abandon when it came to laptop usage in Double Down. And Neil's exclamation of, oh, geez, when his topless girlfriend was shot by a sniper while she was in a hot tub is not to be missed. Pete, last name withheld. Dinklage. But he's got a new one coming up. Pass through. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what he's calling us to do when he says, is there any possibility you can call on the power of the Flophouse to dig up Neil Breen's older movies? I mean, they do exist. You can buy them from him, right? Uh, I don't know whether the earlier ones you can still buy... Directly Neil from him? Website. That'd be crazy. Why would findings he... you can only officially buy from him. I know that if you dig hard enough, both Double Down and I'm Here Ellipsis Now what are if you're the world's best on the internet for free. Yeah, okay. what if you're the world's best hacker? Uh, but that's Neil Green. And oh. Why would he steal his own movies? <laughs> what if I was He's the only world's second best top hacker. government secrets? Yeah. yeah, and the second world's best hacker, Swordfish, a.k.a. Hugh Jackman is busy dancing up a storm on Broadway or something. Mm-hmm. So if this all sounds ridiculous to you, uh, new listeners, go check out the film works of Neil Breen. Or, yeah. or just our episode on Fable Findings. Okay. I, I did a group watch of both of these movies with uh, oh, the Flophouse. Oh, thanks Flop for House. inviting me. Mm-hmm. Well, with the Flophouse Facebook group. Oh, thanks this for not inviting me. This is something that a lonely person does. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Oh, Dan, that's not true. Uh, I mean, it kind of is, but... But they're both worth watching. I mean... My favorite, my favorite of the two is I'm here now. I think that I, I mean, think he that, plays a robot, Space Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I think that Fateful Findings is still the most accessible one in terms of a, if you're looking for a bad movie to watch yeah. with people. But I'm here now is maybe the craziest one. If you're if you love the ending of uh, Fateful Findings, where he gets all of the corrupt government officials to commit suicide. You will double love the end of I'm Here Now, where he literally crucifies the bad guys on crosses out in the desert. That sounds great. Yeah. Okay, sold. I'll, I'll watch that. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> Neil Breen's RoboCop. Oh, no way. I guess that may, I mean, that's kind of what RoboCop is, is a robo space Jesus. Yeah, very much so. He comes back. Um, this next one is from Alex Last Name Withheld, who writes, I need to know your answers to a very Alex important Winter. question. I thought it was Alex Mack. Oh, okay, we'll find out. Let's say a genie appears to you and offers the following deal. You will receive a no-limit credit card, and the genie will pay your bill. <laughs> you and your family Why will not... Why does he just give you infinite money? Can I, call myself, can I call myself a no-limit soldier? <laughs> <laughs> you can do whatever you want to. <laughs> okay, wow, I guess you're, the le- you're speaking for the letter so writer. you're That's the right. genie? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so answer my question some kind of game genie who gave me 99 lives on contract <laughs> but made me flicker in a weird way uh, you will receive a no limit credit card and the genie will pay your bill 
<laughs> well, what it's I like about that is that the genie, like, I don't give a shit if the genie pays or not. I just don't want to pay. <laughs> it's like that the, the genie has to write a check, or I guess home. it's just direct pulled from his bank account. Yeah, yeah. The, the credit card company is more powerful than a genie, apparently. The genie's inside the lamp, sitting at a desk with little half glasses <laughs> on his nose, writing a check and putting it in an envelope. <laughs> do I make this out to Capital One or MasterCard or what? I don't know. How does this work? Uh, I forget. I'm a thousand years old. <laughs> you and your you and your family will never again want for money or any material needs. However, in order to earn this arrangement, here's the catch: you must agree to watch the movie Las Vegas once a day, Monday through Friday. You are not allowed to multitask, close your eyes, play on your phone, etc. If you miss a day, the genie stops paying your bills. Las Vegas is 105 minutes long, which works out to about a nine-hour work week. The rest of your time wow. is your own which you can use to watch better movies, do rewarding creative work, jerk off, etc. I can't do that while watching Las Vegas. Well, you I mean, can't multitask. Uh, what if he's turned on by the babes in Las Vegas? It's still multitasking. How is this going to be enforced? Is there going to be like another genie with a gun? At, the, at that point, the genie has <laughs> to Apparently wander. the only uh, repercussion is that the... The contract is voided. Well, but the genie has to watch the movie with you to make sure. And so that means the genie has to watch every day. And he's like, why did I do this? I'm really punishing myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Mephisto is, is just sitting next to you watching Last Vegas mm-hmm. every day. Well, Alex's last name withheld. Things seems to really want an answer to this question, whether we take this. Oh, oh sorry, Alex. Deal. I didn't mean A to get off topic. Hour work week. Uh, uh, I think I might take that deal. Yeah, I mean, you got a son, you got to feed. Uh, I gotta put him to college eventually. Uh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, wow. uh, Dan's become a bad boy. <laughs> duh. <laughs> sure, you take that deal. Las Vegas. I mean, it's not even the worst movie we watched for a plot. Nine hours a week. Dan, I didn't realize that I touched a nerve <laughs> wow. by being tentative about that. <laughs> for for unlimited money. <laughs> well, wait. Does the credit card expire? Like, no, man. But the like problem I, is, do you have do to? Do I like, get miles? I feel like I don't know. The everything only way about it expires it. is if you stop watching Las Vegas. Are you Are you going to be able to travel? <laughs> You gotta watch do, it on a plane. Yeah. Do, do you have to watch here's, Las here's, Vegas oh, at true. like an office? Well, or I, you, well there's that. If thing. you can charge I, up your laptop, I assume that you can watch it wherever. Yeah. Can I bring Las? Can I just download it to an iPad and that's my Las Vegas iPad and yeah. I just watch that? Does multitasking include like being on a plane or a train, an automobile, if you will? I think multitasking. Snowmobile. I interpret it as multitasking just means that if you're doing something that would distract you from watching Las Vegas at the same time. Okay. So I don't think that necessarily being on a plane qualifies. But that's just me. We got the, we yeah, gotta I mean, talk to this genie. This genie what I would really here. like is Alex, for Dan to take this here. bet with a genie and then have to explain it the first time he goes on a date with a young lady. So what do you do with ex- oh, Las Vegas <laughs> Las for a genie? <laughs> Check, please. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of these genie guys. <laughs> I'll have what he's having. <laughs> <laughs> now, why? What, what does the genie get out of? I mean, I doing assume this? that I get up and watch Las Vegas first thing in the morning just to get it over. That's how you would schedule your day. Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, you want to start on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not watch it late at late at night when you're sleepy and maybe you miss the end of it? No, because then you avoid that contract, during, yeah. dude. <sighs> this genie's tough. Yeah. So, but what if, uh, let's, okay, let's look at my day. Sure. 
So Sammy gets up seven thirty. I guess Sammy I get, is your dog. Your... Uh, Sammy is my son that you met. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is my almost two and a half year old child that you met. He's the light of my life. He wrote a song called Lego Chicken Nugget, and I really like it a lot. He uh, so. He wakes up around like 7.30. So do I get up before him at like 5.30 and watch Last Vegas? That way I'm already pooped before I'm even taking care of him. But then if I'm, I can't take care of him while watching the way, movie, yeah, you gotta, I got to do it, what, during his nap? Or I guess, I mean, we have a nanny now. So maybe maybe Sammy can sign there. up for this genie deal and then he'll have to watch it with you. I don't want him watching that much television at his age. <laughs> Certainly not Last yeah, Vegas. Yeah, but what's he, what's he not watching He's television gonna for? He's going to have unrealistic yeah. views of being old. <laughs> He's got to understand that it's okay to it's okay to objectify women if you're an old man. But he's got to understand that he's got unlimited money for life as long as he watches this fucking movie. That's the other thing. Then, so do does that pass on to the next generation, or when I die, does the credit card get cut off and suddenly <clears throat> my family is not wealthy anymore? Can we write ourselves a bunch of checks for money on the credit card? The genie pays that off, and we're like, see ya. Well, we've got enough money. Mm-hmm. I just charged $100 million worth of... Yeah, I think he just loopholed this genie. Yeah, take that genie. Because I don't need infinite money. Yeah. I yeah, just yeah, need yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, you just deviling down to Georgia, that, that genie. And now here's the the other question. What's the, cre- what's the little credit limit on this <laughs> credit card? Because it's not it's like... It's a magic card. I think it's got no credit oh, limit. Oh, it's a magic card. No, There's no such thing as a free lunch, Dan. <laughs> there's always a catch. There's got to be one. There's probably a... Catch a catch is Las Vegas. There's probably like a $95 <laughs> annual fee. But also... So, the, but it's like, can I only charge up to a certain amount for certain times? Or is this just an infinity card? Genie... Write in and explain this. Yeah, and we'll see. Then we'll see whether we're taking your deal or not. I was about to call him Eugene, John B. But Eugenie Levy. Eugenie Levy. Are you straight you me, tripping, Boo? You got me, me straight paying off your credit card, Boo. Um. Are you straight tripping, Boo? So yeah, let I would us watch know. that show Jits Creek with Eugene Levy if he said that line in every episode. Uh, Maybe it's a fine show. I haven't seen it. Last. Letter of the evening. It's titled... I'm a genie. <laughs> it's titled, In Response to Dan and the Golden Child Asking If People know, Knew What He Was Talking About. And it goes like this. This isn't Streganona, is it? I do. He's talking about touching his wiener. Sent from my iPhone, Rick. Oh. Yeah. oh I don't remember what... That's what I was talking I about. I remember what it was in reference to. I was talking about touching your wiener. Touch, you were touching my wiener? Yeah. Why, why? Why were you doing that? Just, when we were recording? Yeah, just to see. Just okay. to see what? If it's still there? Yeah, man. Just to see what's going on. <laughs> just to see what's going okay. on. I'm just curious. I'm the only one with a child. I'm the only one who has yeah, physical yeah. evidence that he, was, he has a penis that he was, functions. He was doing it uh, as some kind of fertility idol. Oh, well, that makes sense then. Okay, well, that's all you had to yeah. say. For all I know, you're like a Kindle down there. A Kindle? A candle. <laughs> well, you know, like a candle yeah, down you're, there. You're a you candle just, down there. You're like sort of a, a pleasant experience, but there's something a little off about it. It kind of hurts your eyes eventually. Yeah, you don't really enjoy it as much as like normal. No, but that's true. My penis my is not great. a full substitute for a, an actual book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now what do we do in this fucking thing? Now, the last and final, those two words mean the same thing. <laughs> okay. Segment on the show. The post-penultimate segment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is uh, recommendations movies that we watched that we actually liked that we would recommend people to watch without 
the usual caveats. Okay, so this Dick is a new segment show. where we recommend a movie we <laughs> like. A not new. <laughs> it literally goes back <laughs> to the just first episode of the show. Trying it out. We'll see if it sticks. Yeah, you you got to constantly whatever. reinvent ourselves. Try it out. We're like Madonna that way. Goes back to episode number one. Uh, is there a movie? I mean, I'll go if you... Uh, you you're talking. Keep going. Sure. Uh, I watched a little movie that... Um, a lot of people, I think, dismissed without seeing it for a couple of good reasons. Number one, it has a totally stupid title. Number two, it had a terrible... Uh, it's called Jurassic Park. <laughs> number two, it had a terrible trailer. Number three, it was written by someone that the internet has decided they hate. That's Diablo Cody. Oh, uh, Okay. But I watched a movie called Ricky and the Flash. Oh, she made the mistake of oh, okay. being successful. Yeah. And uh, I really liked Ricky and the Flash. It was, I mean, you got to, I watched it because Jonathan Demme directed it. And Jonathan Demme is one of my favorite directors. It's weird. He of Stop Making Sense and Something Wild and Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny how those that first and, movie is about music and the last movie is about silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Rachel getting married, which I like a lot more than most people do. Like me, I don't. Like um, I don't like it very much either. But hey, it's a free country; you can like whatever you want. Well, then you probably won't like Breaking the Flash because I feel like it's a slightly worse version of Rachel getting married. And really, that, but it's about Meryl Streep as a rock star, right? Well, but it's also like she goes back home. First to comfort her daughter who is getting divorced, but then to uh, go to the wedding of her son who is getting gay married and or married, married as it's called. <laughs> I'm, I'm, specify, I'm specifying that because she is she plays like kind of a Republican uh, character in the uh, Ricky movie. So she like it, it. It's a difference that would not um, okay pass her by her okay. character. Uh, but it's, you know, it's the same sort of like a family gets together and then there's a lot of music sort of movie that Rachel getting married was. Oh yeah. You're probably right that I won't like it. Um, but you never know. Yeah. But Rachel getting married had Elliot's ex-girlfriend. So you had some extra baggage there. Right off the bat. I was not into it and also not my Mm -hmm. ex-girlfriend. It's a little. Doesn't know I exist. It's a little uh, self-indulgent towards the end with all the um, musical numbers, especially because I don't think that, uh, I mean, as good as Meryl Streep. Self-indulgent, raves Dan McCoy. (laughs) (laughs) As good as Meryl Streep is is in the uh, live musical numbers, uh, because they're all, they are all done, like, they're all, like, her she's actually doing performing. It. Yeah. As good as she is, like she's not necessarily as good as you would want her to be considering a she's a great actress and not a rock star. Yeah, considering there's like 50 musical numbers in the movie, you'd be like, "All right, <laughs> that's enough of this." But she's better than in Mamma Mia, right? She's definitely better than Mamma Mia. What about Into the Woods? Is she better than Into the Woods? She's better than Into the Woods. Okay. Is she better than in Kramer versus Kramer where she doesn't sing? No, she's not better than Kramer versus Kramer. Okay. Uh, but it's, you know, it's got her and Kevin Klein plays her ex-husband. And I always love seeing Kevin Klein. Right? Kevin Basically Klein. any fucking thing. Mr. Fish odor. Um, so <laughs> if you were put off by the stupid fucking name, or as I said, the terrible trailer. I think that's not a bad name. Give it yeah, a Neither of those things give it put a me off. Yeah. 
If it, anything, you reminded me that John Demi directed it. Puts me off. Ooh. Wait, really? Uh, you, we know that. You know this. I'm not such a huge fan of this. Really? Yeah, he's all right. All right. Yeah, you saw a truth about Charlie, and you're like, fuck this I guy. I was like, tell me some lies about Charlie <laughs> if this is the truth. Uh, well, you just reminded me how awesome Silverado is, another movie with <laughs> Kevin Klein, but that's not my recommendation. I'll recommend that at another time if I haven't already. Uh, so I recently watched The Invitation, which is a uh, thriller. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember the name of the director, but she directed Girl Fight, and she also directed Aeon Flux and uh, another movie or two. But she's uh, she's been around and made a couple of movies, and this is a fairly small movie. It's a thriller. It's about a uh, a guy who is invited to a dinner party with some old friends, and it's being hosted at his ex's house, uh, who he hasn't seen in quite a while. And the two of them uh, split up under after uh, some kind of a trauma. And it is uh, really tense. And it's also, I, I think, in a lot of ways, very true to life. And it uh, it reflects the way people kind of get over uh, grief or, like, deal with grief a little bit. Um, and it's a great thriller. So check it out, The Invitation. I'm going to recommend a less new movie than you guys recommended, which is probably no kind way. of a surprise. I'm usually pretty cutting edge with my recommendations. <laughs> you usually recommend a movie that comes out in three years. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie from the 70s called uh, China 9, Liberty 37, which <laughs> I originally recorded because <laughs> the title is crazy. Uh but or it's a but it's a spaghetti western. The Italian title was Amore Piombo e Fiorori or something like that, uh, which Perfect. is like love something and anger. I don't know. Perfect. It <laughs> it's a great pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I know it as China Nine Liberty Thirty Seven. It's a Monty Hellman movie who did you know like Two Lane Blacktop and Cockfighter and uh, was it just called Cockfight? Cockfight, I Cock, believe. And uh, it stars Warren Oates, who worked with them a lot. And the Italian actor Fabio Testi, and also Jenny Agutter, or however it's pronounced, from uh, from, uh, yeah, Walkabout. from Walkabout, and she's on and Call the Midwife now. And, uh, American Werewolf in London. Yeah, and it's the story of a, a gunman who is about to be hanged, and they say, hey, the railroad wants this this ex-gunman dead. <laughs> they say, hey. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey dude. It's kind of like, on. It's hey, like that. Salute your shorts. <laughs> the, 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 the railroad wants this ex-gunfighter dead. If you kill him... You're off the hook. We're not going to hang you. Uh, but he find, comes to like the guy, Warren Oates, who's this ex-gunfighter who's still a super tough guy and unfortunately falls for the gunfighter's much younger wife. And it's like a spaghetti western with a film noir plot applied to it. Uh, and it's a movie that I'm recommending partly because I enjoyed it. It's not the most amazing movie in the world, but it's a really good, solid spaghetti western. And if you wanted to see the Mother Superior from... Uh, from Call the Midwife, nude. She's nude in a bunch of scenes in it. But uh, the but it's also a movie that has never, I think, received a home video release. I saw it because it was on Turner Classic Movies, mm-hmm. and so it's one of those movies. I'm saying that you should, if you like spaghetti westerns, you're not, you might not see it unless you're looking out for it or you happen to catch it. I mean, it. it's got that that catchy title. Yeah, <laughs> but also the. What is it? China 32? China 9, Liberty 37, okay. which it turns out is what two signs at the beginning of the movie oh, say. Oh, it's not, it's nine it's not miles like a, to, to a town called not China. Not like a volleyball score. No, well, that's the thing. I was like, I cannot begin to understand what this title this means. Title. But uh, because it, I don't know that it was ever, 
fully released on film, uh, it's one of the few times where I'm going to say, like, you should download this movie if you want to see it because you shouldn't. I don't like people who download movies for free when they could no. pay to see them. But if the owners of the rights are seemingly going out of their way not to make it available readily, then, like, go for it. And it's one of the few times that I'll say that about a movie. So it's almost partly for the novelty of that that I'm saying go see it. But I enjoyed it. China 9, Liberty 37. A title that sounds crazy. <laughs> and Dan is taking pictures of Stuart holding Archie. Archie's a cat, not adorable. a human. No, Ar- yeah, Ar- not Archie Andrews. <laughs> it's adorable. Uh, but as, you know, no matter how adorable it is, all good things need to come to an end. As seasons change, so does the podcast. Seasons change with the scenery. Weaving time in a tapestry. Yeah, hazy mm-hmm. shade of winter. Why don't you stop and remember us? Two dogs the have sex. House. A baby dog comes out. Uh, and that dog will one day have sex with another dog and so forth before and so on. Turn, returning to the earth like so much dead dog. <laughs> <laughs> really stop being a metaphor at the end, huh? Okay, well, thank you for that. Uh, and for the flop house, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey. I'm Stuart Wellington. And what's up? Elliot Kalen over here saying bye. (laughs) Peace. See ya. So long. (laughs) Goodbye. I love you. It's his character I'm workshopping for when I'm calling around asking about my wife to find out what she's been up to. I'll call Charlene's bar and be like, uh, hello, uh, je m'appelle Jody. Is uh, uh, Charlene there? How you say there? She's uh, working, we. Oui. <laughs> they're like, no, she left hours ago. That is what you say, ago. working. Is you a uh, bride of the robot pinball machine? <laughs> the corner? Je m'appelle Timerson Ah, Sir, no, we got rid of that pinball machine years ago. <laughs> uh, oh, um, is it uh, Adam's family? Oh, yeah, we, we. I mean, yes, yes. Uh, Now I'm doing it. Now I'm doing a cool character. (laughs) Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hi, I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. And if you're not listening to our podcast, Baby Geniuses, you're missing out on stuff like... Kamel Nanjiani solving the Zodiac murders. Uh, Who's like... Would you ever go to a friend and you're like, hey, could you... Lick all these, lick all these envelopes for me. You'd be like, you're a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I'm leaving right now. Guy Branham talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, and it was, it was just a great moment of like, oh no, I'm here, boys. Like, I'm on this side of the bench. Megan Amram talking about intimidating baristas. Just feel like they're always in character. Like, they're always in character as, like, cool hipster girl. Uh-huh. And I just want to break through that barrier. Plus, every week we explore a new Wikipedia page and talk to a crazy expert in the field of nonsense. Well, any, yeah. any hack can make you not have a boner. I mean, that's, it's about how you do it. Right. You know? And we're the only podcast with regular updates about Martha Stewart's pony or your money back. We're not going to give them their money back, are we? Let's keep it. Yeah. Listen to our show every other Monday on Maximum Fun. Yay! Yay!